Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. So welcome to the show. First time. Well, thanks for having me. Super excited. So across the table from me is uh, Justin, longtime uh, friend. I think we met when we were in what? Third grade, uh, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name's Justin Danielski. I'm a plant manager at a metal fabrication facility. Our customer base is a couple of Fortune 50 companies, so not a small shop, but uh, we'll get into that stuff a whole lot later, I'm sure. For sure. So today's topic and kind of what we were hoping to talk about was just, in a previous show, we talked about... How do you get into this, right? How did how do we how do we reach out to students and, and forward? But I think it'd be interesting to kind of look backwards, right? So I think about where you and I grew up, and right now we're probably what five miles from the epicenter of uh, said youth, right? Um, and so just like, what did it look like? Did you tinker with stuff? Mm-hmm. And, and to put this into perspective, so we're talking about small town, smallish town, central Wisconsin at that mm-hmm. point, Stevens Point. Um, and this isn't like suburbia, right? So when we say, hey, the next right. town was 15 miles away, was legit potato and cornfields between here and there, not, oops, we crossed over the suburbia line into the next piece of suburbia. Right, So Definitely. different than maybe what some of the people are listening to. Um, but I guess, you know, talk through what are some of the earliest moments as a, as a kid you can think of where you're like, hey, I'm building stuff, I'm tinkering, I'm getting my hands dirty, you know, what, what did that look like? Was it encouraged, discouraged? Give me, give me a little bit of a view there. Yeah, so, you know, um, all sorts of kids get to grow up different now, right? Especially in, in today's modern times where uh, maybe single families are, are kind of more common than they were when we grew up, you know, being that now we're knocking on 40. Um, but for me, my upbringing was kind of like that. You know, uh, my dad owned a small um, auto repair shop. And he kept it small. It, it was him and another full-time guy. And uh, my mom did all the paperwork and, you know, helped with the estimates and insurance companies and blah, blah, blah. But um, it, it stayed really small. So he worked, you know, 80 hours a week was not uncommon, seven days a week. Um, so growing up, there was some more independence. Um, I wanted to be in that shop all the time. There, there's tools everywhere and, I could take my little toy trucks and mess around on the floor uh, just to spend some time with them. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, now you're creating dust. And and this is before, um, you know, automotive repair is totally different now. This is a lot more hands-on, you know, in the late 80s and that sort of thing where you couldn't make dust because now that's going to be in the paint, right? And this is before paint booths and stuff. So I'd... I hung around that shop as much as I could, but then there came a point where I think my mom's like, all right, we got to do something a little different because <laughs> <laughs> you can't take all the tools dad needs and, sure. and you know, and, and, and trying to write your name on the side of a customer's car with the end of that tool, that's frowned upon, <laughs> right? <laughs> when you're a kid, you don't know, you know? So, right. so um, yeah, so uh, again, kind of in those early years, you know, spending a little bit more time at home with my mom, um, we always had toys in the, in the 
garage, four wheelers and boats and uh, snowmobiles and all that sort of stuff, you know. So I, that's what I grew up with. But I didn't always have the liberty to work on it and, and kind of um, be a huge part of it, you know. So I did that stuff on my own, you know. And, and I, I tried to not mess things up, but, you know, you're always in the garage doing something, right? And then as you get a little bit older, uh, you know, four or five, whatever age that was, um, I remember really starting to get into Legos and building stuff, you sure. know. I'm not going to get in trouble anymore sure. <laughs> messing with my own toys, you know. So, again, kind of central Wisconsin, um, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of exposure to a lot of the things that we're going to talk about later with engineering and automation and robotics and all that. But but for me, it started out just making stuff with Legos and building stuff and then looking at the at the instructions and going, well, that's that's an opinion, right? But I, I just want <laughs> give me the picture. I want to see the end game, sure. you know, and I want to figure out this on my own, you know. And even as a really little kid, I'm always like, well, how does that work, and and why is it that way, you know? And some of that came over from the time in the shop, you know, watching my dad going, well, why why are you doing that, you know? Why are you welding that stud on the middle of that fender on that car? That that doesn't look right. Well, that had to be done to pull the dent out. You know, in, in a manual fashion, that's how you fixed cars back then. You know, so I'm always asking these questions. Why are you doing that? And how do you do that? So, yeah, messing around with Legos is one thing that I, I really kind of got onto. And, uh, man, I had a whole bedroom in the basement that was just Legos. And it was like, okay, he's not going to ruin anything. He's not going right. to mess up any tools in there. Just let him do his thing, you know? And yeah. <laughs> and, and shout out to Jeff here on this one too, Justin's yeah. dad, because, uh, man, if you touched a tool or a fishing rod or something and it was three <laughs> degrees out of place, that guy had an eagle eye and you knew about it, right? Who was touching my stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, nice, <laughs> nicest guy to ever, you know, meet and, and hang with, but... Uh, but he knew where everything was and it, everything had its place. And, it, you know, now as a professional looking back on that, I know why. Right? Oh, for sure. As I look at your toolbox and my toolbox, like we've got there. But I think, too, you know, I think about our peers. A lot of them don't have toolboxes anymore. Like that's a right. that's a weird thing of the past. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I remember as a kid, you know, and, and we were both in on this. I'm, I'm going to say we were... 10 or 12 inline skates became the big thing right oh yeah and uh and it was the first thing outside of what i would say for me the toy world you know again legos or transformers or whatever else we could destroy mm -hmm. um it was the first thing that we could just tear into and uh you know so whether they needed them or not those bearings got repacked mm -hmm. once a week right they were constantly we'd tear them down and grease them and it was like oh i'm switching these out i'm putting these in and it just it kind of became that first first piece, right? So I would say my first tools that were my own, Allen wrenches, right, right. And that's all you needed for the longest time. Yeah, and from to your point, from a mechanical standpoint, the first meaningful thing was those bearings on those rollerblades, right? Right. And I remember, <laughs> remember you and I rollerblading. All of a sudden, hey, you know, getting a message from either your mom or my mom. Hey, you guys, <laughs> you got to get inside. It's gonna rain. Right. We're like, what? 
who cares? This right. is awesome. We're having fun, right? Right. So it was a time or two that we realized, ah, so now there's water in there. Right. Now the wheels don't go around. Right. Hmm. Let's take these apart and figure out what, what happened, right? right? Yeah, so once you take a little pride and ownership in ownership in taking care of that stuff, then you're like, all right, so I know why dad's so particular about right, where do those right. tools get put back, you know, and, and are they organized? Because when you need them, you need them, right. you know, and then and then there's this pride of ownership, too, with yeah. things, you know. So, yeah, a lot of life lessons get rolled in together there. Do you remember and, the time I blew up a wheel when we were heading down the hill? I do. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> We had gone, and, and we had discovered, without really knowing, if you run a bearing without grease, they spin, they free spin forever, right? Because there's oh, no yeah. friction. Um, and at age 10 or 12, we didn't understand what the grease was really for, <laughs> uh, other than they told us to put it in, right? So we'd go buy the white grease from the bike shop and pack her full. And, um, but I had, I had decided I was going to run without grease because they ran <laughs> way better. Yeah. And we're, we're sailing down a hill, and, and I would hate to try to – speculate as how fast we were going but as fast as our little bodies would hurl us at that point and uh my front wheel seized up and literally exploded Mm -hmm. the the bearings went everywhere the bolts gone (laughs) like nothing it must have just seized and went and then i think i tried to pick up one of those pieces (laughs) and quickly started to figure out about friction and what that does with metal parts right right <laughs> oh yeah so for those of us that are our current customers don't uh don't judge that but we, we learned an important <laughs> lesson that day absolutely um, you know and i think too you mentioned kind of that that unsupervised nature of it too you know i remember oh man i'm gonna say i was 13 we had a, a, a like a tree fort in the backyard right over the sandbox. And uh, I think my parents were like, hey, you should strip the paint off that thing and repaint it. Which was probably, looking back, just like a time filler boondoggle kind of an adventure that they sent me on. Right. But I remember sitting out there with the corded drill with the, uh, the wire bristle brush just beating <laughs> all the paint off this thing. And, uh, yeah, it was just n- no one was there to supervise. Right. I think I might have wore glasses half the time. Kind of Maybe, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then when you got dust in your eye, then you figured out why you needed yeah, them, right? Yeah, yeah, So trial by error a little bit, you know. For sure. But I think that was, uh, that unsupervised piece, I think, was a big part of it, right? Because similar to your story, my dad worked a lot of Saturdays, right? I know he would get up early and he'd work till at least, you know, one or two kind of a thing tired right and then sporting events on top of that so we were always running around whether it was baseball or hockey or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah you had a lot of idle time especially in summer right just oh for sure don't lose a finger yeah without a doubt you know um that looking back on it i think those were really meaningful times not that i'm encouraging any lack of supervision with parenting now now with three kids you know that's not super smart either sure but at the same time you've got to allow kids to make decisions and figure their way you know a little bit kind of as you go we're in that spot now where i've got a 16 year old um and the question comes up all the time what what are you going to do after high school right which direction are you going to go and um 
And that was something that, you know, maybe we should have been asking them earlier and, and giving them even a little bit more freedom like I had, you know, and then you kind of find your way and you go, well, maybe I don't know what I want to do, but I know what I don't want to do, sure. you know, and that's a big part of it too. So, yeah, but that, that unsupervised nature, I think, I think is a, can be a really good thing if you'd make it that, you know? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, there's a, there's a difference between unsupervised and dangerous and kind of that structured, I'm going to take the training wheels off. I'm going to give you the right tools. And, and what I've done with my daughter is like, you know, again, 13. So not super, super hands-on, but she knows, hey, if it's in the toolbox and it doesn't have a cord, I can do whatever I want. Right. right. And if it's got a sharp edge, it doesn't come towards me. It always tries to go away from me. And if right. I feel like it has to come towards me, okay, then I need to go get help, right? Right. But it's that you can do what you want, training wheels are off, but be be careful. And I think right. that's, you know, maybe we got lucky that we right. all have 10 fingers and 10 toes at this table here. But uh, Right, but, you know, uh, one of the ways you can mitigate some of that risk is by asking a million questions. Sure. You know, and so each kid's different, everyone's different. And, and for me, I think... Um, if it would have been possible, my dad would have turned that switch off. So I stopped asking, you know, why are you doing that? And, and what's right. the reason for that? And, you know, I noticed you're, you know, you're sanding this way. Why, why are you doing that? You know, um, so that helped mitigate the risk for me. And, you know, I would strongly encourage any kid to continue to do that because sure. they're vital, vital things that you can learn by just asking. So thinking about kind of the next steps, I remember... Man, I think we were in junior high. So this, in, in Stevens Point, was grades 7, 8, and 9, which puts you at 12, 13, 14? Or 14, yep. 15? Anyway, mm, yeah, close somewhere enough. in that range. <laughs> um, and discovering metals glass. Yeah, for sure. How yeah. cool was that the yeah. first time? Yeah, it was so neat. Um, and I still remember you know, showing up to that class the first time and, and, and all of our buddies and Everyone in there is, you know, like, oh, wow, you know, look at that lathe over there, you know, and oh, we're going to use a bandsaw, you know, and I'm like, you know, thinking, well, geez, that's boring. <laughs> I've been seeing that stuff for years, you know, sure, and, uh, sure. but it was also really neat to get um, a teacher's perspective, you know, and, 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 you know, we were talking about just, just recently, but some of the safety things I think were really cool too in those metal classes, like, hey, you know, we're going to go about this slow. You're not going to be an expert welder uh, as a seventh grader, you know, in, in the first two weeks of the class, for, for example. Um, so just, just getting a different perspective, you know, understanding about um, metallurgy and, and metal removal. And, you know, maybe this is beyond seventh grade, but, you know, chip removal and what's happening. That, what's the difference between this bandsaw blade, you know, what? Uh, 10 teeth per inch versus a 20 tooth per inch as an example you know right um so that stuff was super interesting to me and i didn't i didn't really realize it at the time that that was the er the real earlier or impactful stages of, of my future career um but it was just interesting to me i just thought it was really cool you know so um yeah those were really important times well and i think back to I want to say, I forget which grade it was, but one of the tests to get a good grade was you had to mill on a bridge port, a manual bridge port, a true one-inch cube. 
Do you remember this oh, test? Yeah. Yep. And Absolutely. so they would go in and they would jack up the the, the deck, right? And yep. things would be not perfectly square. So you had to go in with indicators and indicate your jaws on your vice and indicate, you know, true between X and Y and Z and like all the setup that went into just cutting this little one inch cube. Oh yeah, for sure. I remember that like yesterday. I thought it was the coolest thing that I didn't have to worry about my dad you know, supervising or yelling and be like, you didn't do this right or that right, you know? Right. It was like, oh, man, I can, I can, you know, maybe even make a mistake with this metal, and that's okay, you know, as long as we're being safe and the, and the workpiece is clamped, you know, and, and we're not, you know, getting too close to a, a rotating object or whatever. But it's like, man, check this out, you know? These yeah. chips are flying, and why is that chip blue? Ah, oh, wait a minute. I touched a bearing that was that color once. <laughs> You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, those are super cool times and, you know, impactful times. I, I don't know if the teachers and classmates even realized how impactful that was for me, just seeing how cool that was. And then, you know, going home, like, maybe that night and going, man, look at all these metal components. They, I bet you they made that on a machine just like I ran this afternoon, you know? Right, right. And uh, and not thinking too much about it at the time, but just wondering, you know, like curiosity. Right. So, yeah. And then that spins off into a whole bunch of different other thoughts. For sure. You know? Like, how do they put that super smooth edge, you know? How do they get that so round, you know? Right. Just all these different thoughts go in your mind, but yeah, for sure. And, and I think, too, you know, we've highlighted, I guess, what I would call the the masculine, if you could even call it that, trade-type stuff. But I remember another class we took, and I think it was eighth grade, where we would stop and get... We would skate to school, obviously, which is mm -hmm. what, four or five mile skate. Mm -hmm. um, we'd stop at the bakery. We'd get our orange juice and a donut. And our first class of the day, sewing class. Sewing class, yep. For Absolutely. six months. Yep. And, uh, and I think that was cool, too, because it was a different, a different process, a different thing, a different mm -hmm. outcome. But really the same... Same stuff, right? The same yeah. methodology, the same thought process. Right? A pattern was the same as a blueprint, was the same as whatever. Right. Um, and I remember I, I made a pair of dress pants as my final project, and my mom thought I had stolen them. <laughs> She's like, which store did you steal these from? I'm like, I've never stolen anything ever. Right. Yeah, what are you talking about? Right, but it was, yeah. it was really cool, kind of like what you're saying with the metal stuff, like to be able to like, man, I, I did that. That right. was, I made it. Yeah, and, you know, looking back on it, so many people thought we were crazy. For sure, that, right? for sure. I, I don't know for sure, but we might have been the only uh, males in the class. I think there might have been one other one, maybe. Yeah. In a classroom and, of 30 kids, right? It was a big right. school, oh, a lot yeah. of kids. Yeah, lots of kids, lots of opportunity for other, other you know, boys, males, whatever, to, to take the class. But if I remember it right, there was an elective, and, and you could either choose sewing class or something, reading, something writing. Something that didn't some, trip our Something trigger. where we're like, yeah, that's not that cool. Right. But these right. machines over here, they're a lot more cool than that. For sure, and, for sure. And we can, yeah, to your point, it's patterns, it's, uh, it's process, it's different threads, and it's like, hmm, either way, this is going to be way cooler than reading yeah. a book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for know, sure. At the time. So, yeah, hands-on stuff was way more interesting to me, no matter what it was. Right. And you the same. Yeah, without a doubt. I uh, 
And that kind of got to where, you know, after I moved. So I think it was right before my junior year, we moved as a family uh, to the Minneapolis area. And, you know, I, I didn't sit still well. I still don't sit still well. If you can hear that <laughs> creak about every 30 seconds in the audio recording here, that's me moving in my chair because I don't sit still well. Um, and I remember looking at it and, uh, you know, again, we, we grew up in the middle of relatively nowhere. And at that point... I didn't have an idea of what a career would have been, right? Like, I looked at it and went, okay, well, maybe I could be a machinist at the one machine shop in town. Maybe. Right. Um, that was about it. Right. And right. so we moved, and, and we'll have my dad on the show at another point, but um, as I was going into my senior year of high school, I said, man, I don't want to do school. Like, I, I can't sit here eight hours a day. I am going crazy. And it wasn't that I wasn't sharp, right? I slept through physics class and still wrecked the curve, which really burns people. <laughs> um, I didn't make any friends during that sort of a dialogue. But uh, so it wasn't an intelligence thing. It was just, I don't know if it was a challenge thing, an attention span thing, maybe a predated ADHD <laughs> dysfunction um, but when the time came, I, I joined what was called VICA, so Vocational Industrial Clubs of America. And I got to go spend half the day welding and machining and doing all that same cool stuff, and I got paid for it. I was like, this mm -hmm. is great. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that changed everything. And I think, you know, I, I see a lot of these programs starting to fade, right? You hear a lot of the, well, the insurance is too high or whatever else. And I think, man, we've done ourselves a big disservice in some of that stuff, right? Like... Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and it's not, of course, there's all sorts of elements to that, right? There's grant money and all this different angles to that, right? But the creativity of our youth, I think, and the, and the lack of the ability to do that with some of the labs that are getting taken away and, and um, you know, different different coursework, to me, that's that's the most important thing is, is everyone's should have that opportunity to use your hands and figure things out. And, and even if you don't end up your career doing that, understanding the mechanics and the basics, you know, software engineering as an example, man, if you know what you're actually writing code for, it's a whole lot easier to write that code and you're a lot more efficient, right? So tying a few things together there, I know, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a big advocate of allowing uh, middle school, high school kids to be able to get their hands dirty and make sure that a good portion of their day is doing that and not just student work in a book. Have you seen the uh, like the first robotics or the Lego League stuff? Oh yeah. So that was uh, an eye opener for me. I had uh, I was working at a place called PRI Robotics at the time, and they reached out to us looking for some sponsorship money, right? And as a small company, we didn't have a pile of money to give them. But we had that machine shop and the welders and, and space, right? So we said, mm -hmm. hey, you know, why don't you come over here and just use our shop? And we'll, so I, I was there every night for, I don't know how many weeks that season is, eight, 12 weeks. Um, and that was, you know, a lot of the other parents were software people, electrical engineers, right? And so I went, okay, well, I'm going to put my, my central Wisconsin hat on <laughs> and I'm just going to go be the machine shop guy, right? So mm -hmm. I remember teaching some of these kids, you know, and this is stuff that you and I made mistakes on as a kid. Like a guy, one of these kids, brilliant, right? Like if he needed to write some code or do some math, probably would make me look very silly. But he had a four-foot, one-inch tube. 
right? So four feet long, one inch square tube, box tube. And he's got a hole in the middle of it. And he's trying to fish a nut down the middle of this tube so he can attach his fastener. And I was like, whoa, 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 buddy. Do you know what a tap is? He's like, what do you mean? Like, oh, I am going to blow your mind. (laughs) And so I showed him a drill and tap set. And the next thing you know, like, everything was now a tapped hole, right? That's awesome. Like, I gave him a hammer, and all of a sudden, everything's a nail. And, uh, you know, later that year, I was like, he's like, hey, do you know how to weld? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure do. Um, And teaching him a little bit how to weld, right? Nothing big, nothing crazy, but, you know, just typical eighth inch, quarter inch, you know, whether it's steel or aluminum, it's kind of the same, right? Right. That's the size. And... uh, it just, I think it changed his whole perspective. Again, right. brilliant kids. Right. Um, just didn't have the exposure. Right. Yeah, just make some sparks, right? Yeah. Just let them, let them do it. Let them feel it. Let them see it. And then um, and then those really cool connections can happen. Like you go home and you go, oh, check that out. There's a weld on the on dad's grill, right? right. As, as the most right. basic example. And uh, get some of those creative thoughts kind of moving into... You know, not necessarily what your whole career has to be, but how did they make that? And what all went into that? You right. know, and, and man, I don't really like it. I want to modify that. I want I want to you know weld on that or, or drill a couple holes and right. add some reinforcement or whatever the case may be. You know, um, the more that kids can do that, the better. So rolling the way way back machine back. Do you remember the first AutoCAD AutoCAD class we got to take? I know we took it. I don't remember every detail, um, but I know it was sophomore year in maybe. high school, maybe yeah. somewhere around there. Ninth or tenth grade. I want to say it was like version ten or eleven. Uh, yeah, it was super basic. And and if I recall early parts of that class, right, I'm like, dude, this is dumb. Look at those big windows over there. Let's go out in the shop and make something. Right. And you're like, hold up, dude. Hold hold up. We got to communicate to others what it is we want to make. And this is how we're going to do that. And, and for me, it was like a light bulb, like, ah, all right. I'm right. ahead of myself again. You yeah, know? yeah. Slow down a little bit, you know. So, um, yeah, and, I, and that's just one little example. But we were always bouncing stuff off each other and yeah. learning a lot just from what each other's thoughts were, you know. And had no idea. I think my final project for that one, I think I drew a replica of your uh, your Banshee four-wheeler. Oh. <laughs> and we plotted it out on that giant D-sized paper, and I was so proud. I mean, it was oh, just yeah. like the side view, right? So oh, yeah. nothing you could build, but, man, I, I did my best to nail that. I remember having my little yeah. tape scale out and measuring and putting it on the screen and... Well, I remember measuring it in the garage and, yeah. and my old man coming home going, step one step further back from that four-wheeler and then <laughs> tell me what you're doing. <laughs> we're, we're working on a school project here, Dad. Uh, again, one step further back. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I think eventually they gave me a photo of it, so I didn't have to keep coming back to your garage. <laughs> Polaroid. Yeah. We were waving it in the wind to Probably. get it to come up. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So speaking of Polaroids and, and sponsors, we're going to take a quick 15-second break here. And this episode is brought to you by, well, me. 
In the event you'd like to join the show as a guest or a sponsor, feel free to email us at automationadvocates at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and now let's get back to it. So we're back. Um, Thinking about... Man, we did a lot of stuff in your garage. I think it's because you guys had more tools. We did. The best tools, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. We never put them back like we were supposed to, but they were all there. There was a small welder in that garage. (laughs) Yeah, there was way more than enough for us to get in trouble. So we've we've talked a lot about mechanical stuff, and as we're sitting in front of this, you know, mixing board with cables and lights and stuff floating around... um, my angle in life wound up going more down that electrical path. And that also started in your garage or your driveway. Um, it was a uh, 1986 Chevy Cavalier. And this was back when uh, paint was still a problem. So the, oh, yeah. was it RTV or whatever the sealant was that they used in the paint booths caused some of the rust and blah, blah, blah. All sorts of research. But this thing had some sweet rust marks. Sweet. And, uh, you know, when you live in the middle of nowhere, your your life becomes like, who's got the biggest subwoofers? Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure why that became the thing, but damn it, that's what it was. And so I remember we bought a head unit from somewhere. And, of course, these aftermarket head units don't fit into a stock hole. We didn't know any of this, right? There's no... There's no Google. There's no YouTube. We're talking 1997, right? Give or yep. take. Um, barely qualified to even run a, a mill or or anything else at this point. And I remember being in your driveway, and we like figured out how to pop the bezel off, and that was like huzzah, right. we're here without breaking it. Without breaking <laughs> it, right? Um, and I, did we have to go to the library to find like a book or something? I can't even remember how we got that far. Or we stole one of my dad's books from the shop. Yeah, it could have been. And, and yeah. so we knew what the parts kind of were supposed to look like and pry on this end, but don't pry on that end, you know? Right. And 2D drawings, not this nice 3D rotate around with exploded views. This was like cryptic. Right. Could have been a pencil sketch on the back of a bar napkin kind of a detail. <laughs> And, uh, and so we got it out, and I remember we were trying to move it forward, and the thing's not moving, right? It's, it's pretty well stuck. And so we're climbing in there, and I think, I can't remember whose idea, probably my idea, and uh, we just cut the wiring harness off, right off the back of the radio. And uh, apparently you're not supposed to do that, right? Because no. they're designed to be plug and play. But we had no idea. So here no. we are in the dashboard of a running vehicle. It's not running at the time, but it's functioning, right? You could run this car down the road, and we're cutting shit apart. Oh, yeah. And, Wires uh, were everywhere. 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 <laughs> and so then we're in there trying to solder the new one back on. <laughs> um, and that's not going so hot. No. But we finally get everything kind of loosely attached. And shoved in there, and it's sitting in there with this extra three-inch gap around it. It looks terrible. And we're trying to turn it on. Mm -hmm. And I remember popping that first fuse. Let's call it a two-amp fuse. And then going, eh, go get me a bigger one. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to say we went through eight fuses. Oh, yeah, maybe more. And we got up to, like, big size, like 15, 20-amper type stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think at one point we melted one of the wires. And that's when we said we need to stop. Yes. 
And at this point, we're throwing fuses out in frustration <laughs> in the middle of the, the yard, in the, the driveway. And yeah. It's like, you know, there's purple and yellow and green, and they're all over the driveway. And I'm like, dude, all right, I smell something burning. Let's just stop. <laughs> Let's get our heads out of this car, stand up, and look at this and go, what's happening here? We're smart enough to figure this out. Yeah. We haven't yet. Our patience wasn't really awesome right. at this point. So we're like, hmm, well, A, probably shouldn't have cut all those wires right. looking back on it. Right, right. <laughs> I think that was the first conclusion. Yeah. And it's like, well, should we read that manual? Because maybe there's a tip in there about the different <laughs> color of those wires, right? Right. right. I mean, they probably mean something. Not really to us, but, you know, it's a good place to start. For right? sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and from there, I don't, I don't even remember what we did or, or how, we, how we totally got that thing working, but we did. Yeah, I mean, by the time it was all said and done, we got it working. There was a big speaker box in the trunk with a pair of, I don't know, way too big speakers that could clearly rattle the rust right off the doors. And, uh, and I drove that off into Minnesota, right? I mean, that, that was the car I had when we moved. Mm -hmm. And in uh, somewhere back in the, in the history books, there's a picture of me doing like that modeled leaning on my elbow pose across the top of it for the school paper, um, <laughs> talking about the rust, right? So I uh, had a little fun with it too. But yeah, what, a, what an interesting, and again, you know, for a while there, that's what I did for a living: was lay out electrical panels and uh, right and wire stuff up. So how far I had come, right? But, oh, absolutely. Uh, but that's where it started. Was just oh shit, <laughs> right? It doesn't work. I guess we got to figure it out, right? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, we were smart enough to know you never do the same thing over, right? <laughs> so a, a different size amp. That's got to be it, right? right. You know. Um, yeah. So a lot of cool lessons that we got to learn there you know that that kind of paved the road for things in our careers a little really not too long after that decisions started had to get made right you know yeah. high school is over with and now what what are you what are you gonna do right right million now dollar question football and hockey weren't uh, professional career choices for us right, right? it was like Absolutely. okay i guess yep. i have to go find a day job yeah what am i gonna do yeah, and mine, mine's a crazy story. So, again, growing up in the auto body shop, one of the things that, you know, my dad didn't complain a lot. He just worked, right? But one thing that he would complain about regularly, so it stuck in my mind, was engineers. You know, these engineers didn't think about uh, how to fix this vehicle or service it, right? You know, they're thinking about, you know, maybe it's aerodynamics or performance, but what about the the guy that's got to work on it, right? So I'd always hear this word, engineer, engineer. And, um, of course, when you're little, you don't really know what that even is. But then as time goes by, I'm like, all right, you know, so CAD class and welding class, and you put all this stuff together, and I'm like, hmm, you know, I know Dad doesn't really care for him, but it would be awesome to actually get to be an engineer and design and kind of bring all this stuff together that, that really shaped your your upbringing, right? So, uh, so that was super appealing to me. So, um, yeah, like you said, when the hockey thing kind of ran out, and it was like, well, what's the next step? For me, it was mechanical engineering. Um, like you mentioned, 
you were a lot more interested in electronics at the time. And uh, mechanical things were super interesting to me. So I, I thought it would be a great fit, you know, mechanical engineering. And um, so there I went off to the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. Um, you had some influence on that because obviously sure. you're living over there, right? For sure. Um, but yeah, I, tr- I tried that. And that, I guess that's my best word for it is try it. Um, there just weren't labs in engineering school. Mm. And, uh, and so when I went there, I had an expectation, you know, of, okay, we're going to design, we're going to be in the lab, and, you know, I know I'm going to learn about the math. And, you know, I'm thinking at the time chip loads and sure. you know, thermodynamics and all the things that, you know, you need to learn. Um, but for me, after being there for two years and not getting any of that, it was just really tough to be like, well, hey, you know, this engineering thing's not what I thought. You know, the picture in my head um, of what that career would be wasn't what school was. Um, and I didn't have anyone that had ever gone to college in my family. No, no four-year bachelor degrees. Right. So I was kind of paving the road, you know, so to speak. Um, and everyone's got a different viewpoint of that. But my parents didn't go, so I, yep. I didn't, you know, I just didn't know. And this was never an aptitude problem either, right? I mean, you were a good student, super oh, yeah. sharp. Yeah. Yeah, so similar similar views and backgrounds. But again, the other chair clicking here, you don't sit still well either, right? No, not at all. I just, yeah, it wasn't in my nature, you know? Right. And, 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 um, and so although, yeah, I mean, I could easily make it through school, so to, so to speak, and, and get passing grades and all that stuff, um, it just wasn't interesting. It wasn't the same... You just there was just a, a big gap between what I thought engineering was going to be and what it ended up being at that time sure. in school. Yep. Right. And I'll I'll put that as a big uh, caveat there because you know later going to that same um, not the same school but getting a getting an accredited engineering degree and having an internship at the same time really helped me to bring those two things together. Um, so that first time I went to get the mechanical degree, that just, it didn't happen. So I lost the interest. You know? Well, and I think what's interesting, and, and that's kind of how I, I don't want to say lucked into it as well, but I had my internship, right? And that's, I remember the first time I saw a robot lay down an, an arc welding bead, I went, wait a second, it does the work? I got to <laughs> get into this, right? And, and it changed the whole perspective. So at that point, like I could wire up a box, right? I could land a blue wire from a terminal block up to a PLC or a controller. I didn't know why any of this stuff turned on, but then mm-hmm. I went off to school, right? So I went off to robot school for two years up in northern Minnesota. And, uh, and it added the theory and the math and the other stuff mm-hmm. behind the hands-on. And obviously, being a tech school, we had a lot of labs, right? So we would do a little bit of design work, and then we'd go out and make it on a breadboard kind of a thing. Right. Um, but I think that that applicability, that hands-on piece would have been key, right? And I looked at a lot of my classmates. Again, we'll have some of them on the show at some point, too. Um, they were a little lost as we were going through the school piece. They're you know, talking about things like transistors, mm-hmm. right? Be the equivalent to, like, talking about tinsel strength, right? Like... Who cares? Why, why are we even having this conversation mm-hmm. where I looked at it, and this is probably, I'm assuming, where you were at. You're going, holy crap, I'm connecting the dots. 
I know exactly why that matters because I just did X, Y, and Z three days ago, and this was why, right? Like, right. And it, it totally clicked, and it made that whole experience better. And I think when we look at the the methodology of the education of this stuff, it still boggles my mind a little bit that we're going to take, and I, I'll speak from experience, zero chance of success of Justin Garski at age 18 making it through a five-year school endeavor. Zero chance. Just the attention span, the maturity, all of the tools, right. no way. Yeah, and because we're doing this show and, and we've been friends for so long, you know, I can speak real clearly <laughs> based sure. on my story, you know, that it wasn't for me. For and, sure. And after that second year, I'm like, mm, try again. I'm going right. to do something different. I love this career, but this isn't the way. Sure. I, I'm, not, I'm not cool with this, you yep. know. Yeah, so I, I don't know how we, aside from that word of mouth thing, continue to try to push some of that stuff, but, man, it's such a big deal. And, uh, and I've met a lot of those engineers um, that have done all the theory, and you look at their drawings, and you look at the machinery, and you go, hmm, it's not how I would have done it. Right. Right? It's not, it's not perfect. Um, it's not, it's not easy to work on. And again, you know, right out of school, I kind of took the, took the notes from your dad, right. As a field service guy. Right. So I was the guy tearing it down and, uh, and I lived through all of the turd sandwiches and the you know holidays and weekends and grease all over the place. And you're going, why? Right. And, and so that was always, as I was looking at stuff down the road going, <laughs> okay, how do I make this better? What, Absolutely. what can we do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so getting back to that, you know, for me, um, and kind of kind of what you just mentioned, I, I'm just a huge advocate of, of technical colleges and what they have to offer, and, and you know, kind of what you said, where you've got that happy medium there, or balance rather between the educational piece and the science and, and the true meanings of why, um, whether that be thermal or electrical or mechanical, you know force calculations or whatever whatever the case may be whatever specific field that you're going into but then also getting a chance to go out in the lab and be like okay we're not just going to read about um newton's second law here's an example of it so you really understand it right and that's important because um i think something that gets lost sometimes in some of those four-year college not to pick on them but I'm, i'm just that's the topic we're talking about is um kids learn different Right, so every kid doesn't learn reading a book and getting a, a two half an hour lectures a week, and all of a sudden you become an expert in force loads, right, or or um, or stress calculations. You know, some of us have to touch that and see it and physically really learn through visuals. So, um, yeah, for me that just that just worked a lot better. To, to move back to central Wisconsin and to get a mechanical design degree uh, from North Central Tech College in Wausau. It just, it just worked. I got it. Um, so, yeah, so I did that for a few years, you know, and got into an engineering department. And, um, again, kind of the same story for me, engineering department, design engineering departments are a little more white collar and they're they're theory based and your end game is to create a 3d model or a 2d drawing and then deliver that to marketing right obviously the collaboration there 
that wasn't enough for me either. You know, it, it was just too, uh, it was too theory based. So I had to get in the plant. I had to get in manufacturing somehow. And then I got moved into a role that was kind of a hybrid role for a mechanical design guy. Kind of focused on a, a unique project where I had to reverse engineer um, some of our existing product for automation. This was panel bending automation uh, versus manually press breaking parts. This, this was panel bending. So um, it was really cool to kind of you know ease my way into more of a manufacturing engineering role. Um, but that was super cool. And the education piece that came with that because I got to be the expert in this form of automation for a pretty big group of engineers. And then um, I actually got to teach. Uh, I, wrote, I wrote a class and got to teach our own engineers, hey, this is how it works. This is, this is what we need to be thinking about, you know. And then all the real life things that come with that, with reducing um, part variation, sure. you know, less non-conformances, ease of assembly, putting these parts together, right? Um, so that, that career path just worked for me. Um, and I think that's true with a lot of folks. Um, and, and what I would encourage people to do is if, if you are that guy, if you are that gal, um, to not give up on engineering, but rather find a way. Sure. You know, step into it. It's your whole life. You don't have to blitz your, your college education in four years. Because really, how do you know what you want to do anyways, right? So there's that element to it, too. So I think well, it's important. And some of it, too, is just the potentially the school, right? Because I think about um, I had done a, uh, a dyno machine with the kids at KU. So down in, uh, I want to say it's Lawrence, Kansas, the Jayhawks. Okay. And, uh, and they were building Formula SAE cars, right? And the kids that I was working with, Kids, ladies and gentlemen, right? I mean, they're not right. kids at this point anymore. They are compared to us <laughs> now, but right. um, they were super hands-on, right? And they blew my mind. Like I'm going, man, I, I don't know anything about what you're doing. I can help you get the sensors into this feedback device, right? But beyond that, like, cool. Can I see your car? Like, this is super cool. And they were just starting to get into carbon fiber and composites and things that you know, at that time, this is probably 2007 or 8, like, I don't think it was super common, especially from what, what you're in my background was, where it's a lot of, you know, steel and aluminum. Mm -hmm. um, even things like titanium were pretty exotic for us at that point. Right. Um, but they just blew my mind. It seemed like maybe, depending on the school, some of them seemed to have a more hands-on lean than others. Um, mm -hmm. That might be size. That might be focus. I, I don't know. But uh, but I'm with you, right? Go right. go on those tours and be very clear, because that same that same struggle is true of even coaching kids, right? So I coach little kids soccer, um, and I've got a younger brother that I was always trying to influence, right? And some people react to the stick, some people react to the carrot, some people mm -hmm. need a picture, some people need audible. I never took notes in school, um, but some people that that exercise of writing it down is what got it to stick in their head. Mm -hmm. For me, I, it didn't do anything for me. Like, I'd have all these notebooks that I never revisited and didn't care, so I just stopped. Right. Um, but again, we're all different. I don't know what your uh, flavor of choice is. I remember going into physics classes, and people would have the, the one note card. You could bring a note card in. And I'd have, like, four basic formulas on this thing. 
And other kids would have this card just jacked full <laughs> with the sharpest pencil they could to write all the stuff down. And they'd be like, what, you're only showing up with that? I'm like, I'm good. Right. And I'd still wreck the curve, right? Because you either know it or you don't. You can either work with it or you can't. Right. And for me, it's what worked. But again, it's not for everybody. I wouldn't recommend this path unless it's unless you want it. you gotta, right. you got to want it, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, to your point, I mean, I'm, I'm the same where I didn't need a lot of notes, never took a lot of notes, but I was a light switch learner. It was either on or off. Yeah, right? without a doubt. You know, yeah. so, so if someone's just talking about something and I can't really visualize it, I, I just, I could have taken, you know, five notebooks worth of pages and it would have done me nothing. Right. But show me that, you know, or, or sketch it for me, you know, right. just so I can visualize it. And I, All right, I'm with you. Again, no notes required. Because now I got it, right. you know. So, yeah, I think that's super important. You know, in career-wise, career, career wise, when you're making decisions about college, and where are you going to go, I think it's more important that you tie in your learning style to that, that institution. Bingo. You know, don't worry about how many football games they won last year and how many, you know, really cool housing options they have because that doesn't really influence you're going to forget all that stuff three years after you're gone anyways right, right? but but how do you learn and what do the classes look like and uh, if you're struggling in college what are your options sure right like what study groups are there or you know teachers aides or you know whatever whatever the case is i think it's really important even for parents to be involved with that Right. Yeah. Don't worry about the apartments and the. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the the fancy stuff. Don't worry about that. Worry about what you're actually there for. You know, and and that is how you're gonna match up how your kid learns, and comprehends, so that your huge investment in college means something. Right. You know. And I think too, you know, I, I don't know. Again, my parents didn't go to a college either, right? So this was all new to us. And I remember looking at the bill of joining you at the University of Minnesota or heading off or, you know, I had taken the Navy test at one point. They're like, you could be a reactor operator, which was like one of the best jobs apparently in the Navy. And, and I worked with a lot of nuke Navy guys after I got out of school. So super love and respect the hell out of those guys. Um, but what lost me was when they were like, yeah, you, you know, you, you're on for 90 days and then you're off for 90 days. And I'm like, what do you mean on and off? They're like, well, you go out to sea and you go underwater. And I'm like, I don't get to see the sun for 90 days. <laughs> they're like, no, oh my God, this is not for me. Yeah, that's tough. Um, hats off to those folks that can do that. Hell yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. incredible. Yeah. And, uh, it's not me, but but hey, good on you. Yeah, and I remember working with those guys after the fact. So I worked for uh, a company called Par Systems and then Westinghouse Electric, um, both in the nuclear department of defense, department of energy business. And we'll get into that a whole different time, but... Those guys were awesome. Um, they knew the electronics, right? Because electronics is electronics is electronics, right? Same thing, computers are computers, mechanics are mechanics. Yeah, there's nuanced differences, but, man, if you can do it on a submarine or an aircraft carrier, you can probably do it on a robot. You can probably do it on right. a machine tool, right? It's all right. It all translates if you want it to. And, right. uh, and those guys were great, and they were always super helpful, Um and I know it's, you know, at Rockwell, we now have this uh, Academy of Advanced Manufacturing where we're training veterans in the in the manufacturing industry. 
but what a great workforce, right? And so Absolutely. maybe that's your option. Maybe that's a, a good stopgap in between. Maybe it's a maybe it's a two plus two. You've heard of these programs, mm-hmm. right? Where you can go get your two year and it transfers into a four year and you can do it while you're Working, maybe even a company will pay for it, so you don't have to pay for it out of pocket, right? Right, absolutely. Um, lots of cool choices. I just, I know, as I look down, and, and if I had to do it again, could I, could I have tricked myself or convinced myself that sitting there was a good plan for me? No chance. Like I, I still struggle today. Like training classes, you're gonna go sit for a week, and I'm like, that's a week. <laughs> oh man. And I love learning, right? I'm I'm always about it, but right. It's tough sometimes for sure. Absolutely. So is there any other I guess tinker stories growing up where you're like, man, I, I got a good one that I gotta share. Oh man. Um well, so playing hockey was something that was important to me. It was a big part of my growing up, you know, sure. and, and I learned more about, I guess you could say life than just hockey. You know, obviously you get to score a few goals and whatever you, you get your name in the paper. That's awesome. You know, but, but really you learn that commitment level, right? Well, one of the things that, uh, <laughs> that I developed as a hobby or a habit, a bad one, was shooting the lights out in the front of the garage at my <laughs> mom and dad's house. You know, and looking back, there's probably eight, nine feet in the air. You know, you're, you're shooting over the net, so I'm not really sure what I was thinking there. But it was a target, right? So uh, so I got in this really strong habit of shooting at those. And they had glass, like glass kind of all the way around, real glass. You know? yep. So when they shattered, they shattered. <laughs> and uh, I remember... Um, breaking one and kind of denting some of the metal and then proceeding to take it off of the front of the house and be like, wow, I'm going to pound this out. You know, I'm going to knock this back in so that dad can't see it. You know, everything's going to be cool. Didn't really have a great plan for the glass at this point, but as I'm taking that out, of course, the two wires in there touched and arced out. And then, then I had to teach myself about how to reset a breaker. You know, and this is, this is probably... <laughs> 12 maybe 13 years old and uh and so yeah after i fumbled my way through that whole thing and and got it all back in place there you go that light was up there with no glass in it Uh, and there was uh there was four lights three three car garage one in between and then on the end so you got the four so i remember it was getting real close to the time period that mom and dad were going to come home or whatever because this is in the summer obviously and uh, I just had to make it a mission to knock out all of the glass in every one of those. So they all matched, you know. <laughs> it's not going to be obvious if they're all broke. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my master plan, and, uh, and I got that to happen. So I kind of fumbled my way through a few more mechanical <laughs> struggles there that one afternoon, but uh, it, it didn't work because as soon as they got home, I left all the broken glass right on top of the gr- the garbage can so you know it wasn't too much to hide there but, sure, sure. but yeah just another little story about you know mechanics and things that you learn when you're a kid that can help you later right for sure for sure <laughs> well with that i think we'll wrap this one up um i guess any parting thoughts as a as a parent for advising kids on and staying hands-on or anything you'd want to close out with yeah just um 
you know, again, we touched on it a few times, but I, I think really knowing your kids and how they learn and matching their whole education up to that style, that's the real key. Because getting a degree from this university versus that tech college or whatever, that's all kind of lost once you get in the field and, and you, your skills, ability, and commitment level create your career after that first job, really, right? Um, it's important that you set them up for success, understanding how they learn and, um, and, and putting your time and effort into that. Sweet. Well, thanks. I, uh, I appreciate the time today. And with that, we'll, uh, we'll send this one off. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.